This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. And here we are again. This time we're going to try and state the Parsha right away. It's the Parsha of Ki Teitze, and it's, again, one of these interesting, slightly complicated Parshas because it deals with what seems to be so many unrelated subjects. The Parsha itself begins with the words Ki Teitze when you go into battle, and one wonders why would such a mitzvah, why would such an event take such importance that, in fact, an entire parish is named after it, to go into battle. Battle is never a pleasant thing, even though a battle is necessary from time to time. We encounter situations where, unfortunately, we have to defend ourselves, sometimes to take the offensive, sometimes to get involved in situations which is brutal and bitter. War is not a pleasant situation. We all want peace. We all want to have situation of tranquility and peace, a situation where we all live in harmony and together. And the idea of war is something which disturbs us. And yet Torah sees it absolutely necessary not only to talk about the idea of war and the commandment of how to go into war and what in fact to do while in war, but it also talks to us about the idea that this is something which is extremely prominent. And therefore, this entire Parsha is called Kitaitse when you go out, when you go out into battle, into war, into confronting an enemy and dealing with powerful and often painful issues. But as we look through the parsha and we speak about the various mitzvah, there are so many. The mitzvah of shatness, of not mixing wool and linen, the idea that we shouldn't mix animals, no grafting of, of vegetation, etc., etc., etc. We talk about the idea of, uh, well, humane consideration. You come across a mother bird and her fledglings, and the Torah commands us to send away the mother bird. So if you want to take the fledglings or the eggs so the mother bird should not feel the pain of having her offspring, as it were, taken away. A tremendous degree of sensitivity. And Torah tells us that if you do this, then your life will in fact be long and fruitful and happy. It'll be a long and happy life. And we talk about the idea of marriage and the sanctity of marriage. We talk about the idea of forbidden relationships. We talk about the idea of going and doing that which is right, dealing with situations with people who are less fortunate, and how to deal with them in dignity and with dignity. And uh, in the case of simply giving out loans, how to deal with that as well. And yet all this, this entire parsha, what it talks about and deals with primarily is the idea of kitetse. And not only kitetse when you go into battle, but kitetse is so all-inclusive that everything that we read in this parsha is something which falls under this umbrella category of going into war. And we have to understand and remember that as said so many times, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim, is one that talks to us about all sorts of mitzvahs, some that are mentioned in the previous three books, some that aren't mentioned at all. And what makes it special is that it comes through the words of Moshe. And the words of Moshe are such that it carries with it a more personal and direct relationship with us as the ultimate leader, as the faithful leader, as the one who protected us, who looked after us, who defended us against the enemies, and who defended us against the wrath of God Almighty himself from time to time, although we deserved 
to be punished, Moshe stood and always prayed on behalf of his people in order to ensure that they don't receive any type of negative, negative action, God forbid, from God himself. So Moshe has the ability of being concerned with his people, understanding the plight of his people, understanding the specific needs. And it's not as if God Almighty doesn't. Of course God does. But there is the added dimension where God gives this particular type of mission to an individual, in this case Moshe, to exercise that type of leadership, and that type of leadership brings about an incredible bond between leader and follower. And not only an incredible bond of leader and follower, where the follower understands that the leader is totally concerned and devoted to the needs and security and growth and development of the followers. The followers understand it's not only a relationship of gratitude, thank you very much for being my leader, thank you very much for doing those wonderful things for me, but it goes beyond gratitude. It comes to an understanding that this leader is concerned really with uplifting me to realize my full and complete potential. And in order for that potential to be realized and fulfilled, it's necessary for the leader to address his people in a language that they relate to, they understand terms and words that are meaningful to them. And therefore, every single mitzvah that we repeat or we introduce in the book of Deuteronomy carries with it this special stamp of Moshe's leadership, of Moshe's warmth, of Moshe's tremendous sense of concern and devotion. It is an altogether type of word that carries within this particular book. And this is why we have to understand Kitetzei, Lamil Chama, what is Moshe telling us, what is Moshe instructing us, and how, in fact, this incredible concept of going into battle, which is the central theme of this parsha, is mentioned, how this, in fact, affects all the other mitzvot that we talk about in this particular parsha. It says, Kitetzei Lamil Chama, Olivecha, you'll go into battle, you'll go out into battle against your enemy. And this is something that we have to understand because whatever it says in Torah is eternal. And therefore, even though perhaps in our situation we don't go into battle, although from time to time we did have to go into battle, but nonetheless, how can something like that be a constant and current idea of Torah? And the answer perhaps is we have to see it within the spiritual dimension as well that a person goes into battle. And what is battle really? When we think about it really, what is the ultimate battle of life? The ultimate battle of life is life itself. The fact that we have to go out of our comfort zone, the fact that we have to get involved in a world, the fact that we have to make relationships, the fact that we have to earn a living, the fact that we have to understand right and wrong, the fact that we have to go through life following a path of integrity, of morality, of decency, of goodness. We have to to go into life in a world that is often corrupted, a world that is often, unfortunately, trying to take individuals of decency and dragging them in to situations of negativity. This is a very difficult world that we live in. We can't kid ourselves. Yes, of course, it's a world of great potential. It's a world of great opportunity. It's a world of potential goodness in the fullest sense of the word. And this is the most fundamental mission of each and every one of us to develop that good within ourselves and to draw out the good in each and every one of us that we meet, that we encounter. Each and every single individual has a mission in this world to act 
in a manner of goodness and kindness and to draw out that goodness and kindness from others as well. But at the same time, even though the potential of the world is great and blessed and wonderful, and in a sense something which is ultimately, ultimately greater than the initial creation itself, nonetheless, we live in a world of negativity. We live in a world of contrast. We live in a world of conflict and friction. We live in a world where there is, unfortunately, good and evil. We live in a world where there is a right and a wrong. We live in a world where there are all sorts of elements. And it takes sometimes tremendous courage, strength, wisdom, power to recognize that which is good, to recognize that which is positive, and to take those elements and make them our own, to recognize the goods and to initially reject the negative and ultimately transform the negative. And as we go through this parsha, we will see what this battle is all about, how to recognize those dimensions, how to understand those dimensions, how to transform those elements from something which is, as it appears, negative and bring out its essential potential good. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipsker from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the great battle of life. We're talking about the issues that affect us in terms of a daily existence. We talk about confronting the world, understanding the world, entering the world, and seeing the various opposites within the world, using words like good and evil, understanding what, in fact, those elements are. And unfortunately, we live in a world where sometimes these boundaries are rather blurred. We don't understand that which is good. We don't understand that which is evil. Sometimes that which is essentially good appears as evil or we see it as evil, and sometimes something which is terribly evil for some reason we perceive as good. And all you have to do is look at the headlines of the world today, and you will see clearly how, in fact, people interpret good and evil according to their own needs, according to their own desires, according to their own political structures, according to their own agendas, according to their own sometimes greedy and selfish purposes. This is how they define good and evil. And this is why as we enter the world, we have to understand if in fact our job in this world is to confront this world. And it is a battle, a battle that takes tremendous courage and strength, tremendous wisdom. How are we going to succeed in this battle of life in order to ensure that we recognize that which is truly good and we work at developing that which is truly good and rejecting that which is evil and recognizing that which is harmful and dangerous, recognizing those elements which are there to bring us down, to recognize those elements which unfortunately are not concerned with our own best interest. And this is where this parsha comes to talk to us. It speaks to us about going into battle against our enemies. Yes, we live in a world where there are enemies. There are negative elements, and we have to confront them. We hope we don't have to, but we do have to at the end of the day. This is something that each and every one of us learns at a rather young age, the complication of life, recognizing the fact that I have to deal with issues. I cannot hide behind elements that really don't protect me. I can't forever lock myself away in a secluded safe environment. We would love to live in a safe environment permanently, but that's not the way it works. We can't build walls high enough. We don't have alarm systems sophisticated enough, and we never will 
to have a truly protected fortress where everything is safe. Because if, in fact, it was so, all those throughout the years who built these, well, fortresses or imaginary fortresses, why didn't they continue to be protected? Why is it ultimately breached? And, in fact, those walls come down. And the answer, of course, is because ultimately the only way we can somehow deal with evil is by recognizing evil and by confronting evil. And yes, sometimes going into battle against that which is evil. And not only evil, as I speak, in terms of political dimensions. I'm talking about within oneself as well, to recognize those dark elements, to recognize those, well, imperfect situations, to recognize those conditions in life that tend to bring us down, that tend to somehow influence us in a negative sort of way. And listen to what the Parsha says, something which is quite incredible and something which is rather simple, but in its simplicity lies absolute genius and greatness, wisdom beyond compare. And it says you go into battle, and in the days then, the battle, the enemy would often send out its beautiful maidens dressed in all their finery to tempt and to entice the invading soldiers, or the opposite side. And you would see one of these attractive women dressed in her finery in all these beautiful clothes. And you will be drawn toward her, and you'll want to make her your own, your wife. So there's a whole process that you have to go through before that can happen. This is not simply the spoils of war. This is not simply seeing something and grabbing and doing whatever you want. That's not the way it works. Torah gives us very, very real processes and procedures that have to be followed. And the first thing that you have to do is when you take her home is that she should come out of her finery and put on very simple clothes and not to do her hair properly and not to do her nails properly and let her sit and weep for her parents that she misses for 30 days. Now that, of course, is the halacha. But it's metaphorical as well. And what is it talking about? Torah tells us when you're tempted by something, you have to use every bit of wit and strength that you have in order to recognize if, in fact, that which is tempting you is good for you or bad for you. And the only way you can do it is by recognizing what it truly is. And the only way that you can recognize what it truly is, is by removing the external superficiality that it presents itself in and with. It's no longer a beautiful dress, but a bit of sackcloth. It's no longer beautiful locks of hair. It's no longer the beautiful maiden that you saw in the excitement of war. Her eyes are red and swollen from crying. And you look, and you look, and you look, and you say, is this in fact something that I truly want? It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes power to remove the externalities of every single situation and to recognize what in fact is contained therein. Yes, it's very easy to put on, well, some sort of external garment, some sort of external uniform, and in this costume to parade around the world. You know, 
I often say this. I can put on the clothes of an army general. doesn't make me a general. It's not the clothes that make the man. It's the man that makes the clothes. You know, external beauty is just that, external beauty. What lies behind that external beauty? What lies beneath that external beauty? If you take off your general's hat and your general's tunic and jacket, will you still be a general? Well, if you are, of course, you will be. But if you're not, it was all a facade. It was all a ruse. It was all a game. You have to look at yourself and recognize those elements in life that tempt you, that draw you. And you have to have the strength of character. I say you have to have. You have to learn to develop a sense of character, to stop for a moment, to pause, to look at that situation, and to say, is this real? I often speak about this notion of falling in love. What a ridiculous term. What do you mean you fall in love? Love is something that comes after a long and developed and devoted and incredibly, incredibly warm and close relationship. The initial stages are nothing more sometimes than lust. And this is what we have to understand. What is it that tempts you? Is it that which appears or is it that which truly is? And therefore, you have to look beyond the appearance, beyond the packaging, beyond the frills and bows and colors and wonderful shapes. You have to look at what, in fact, is there. Is this situation good for me? Is this situation bad for me? You know, you drive by all these wonderful placards and, and, and advertising signs that display things in such beauty, whether it's food or cars or jewelry or whatever the case might be, clothing, and you think to yourself, wow, but stop for a moment. What is really being presented over here? Something which is, well, very tempting, something which draws you, otherwise they wouldn't do it, and something which makes you think that if I involve myself with this thing, person, situation, item, garment, I'll be a much happier person. But superficiality can only satisfy very superficial levels within ourselves and sometimes doesn't even satisfy very simple external levels within ourselves. If we need and want something that is lasting, if we need and want something that has value, that will stand the test of time, that will stand the test of conflict, then you know. It's something which is real. Then you know it's something which is good. And this is something which Torah tells us. Torah tells us this is the way you have to look at life to understand, yes, that it is a battle. And you have the capacity, you have the ability, you have within yourself all sorts of elements that enable you to recognize that which is right and that which is wrong. Don't listen to the advertisements. Oh, they're there to entice you. They're there to project a product in its most beautiful way and say, oh, it's so cheap, it's so simple. We know about those things. Things that appear to be beautiful and wonderful and cheap, that's all they turn out to be is cheap. And once or twice used, break. And this is true about relationships. This is true about all sorts of situations where the battle of life has to be fought. 
We have to understand that there are so many other elements to life. A human being possesses a heart, emotion, the capacity to love, the capacity to connect, the capacity to to have compassion, to have mercy, to have elements of goodness and kindness. We have intelligence, the ability to understand. We aren't dumb animals. We are creatures that God created in a particular sort of way, and we have the ability, the capacity, to do wonderful and great things. And this is why when temptation comes along, we have to use those well-developed elements to recognize the truth of that which is being presented to us. Is it something superficial and flimsy and ultimately empty? Or is it something which is worthwhile? It's something which is good. It's something which we can nurture and will nurture us as well. And this is where the idea of getting ready for battle is all about. spoke about it last week. The soldier who can't go into battle... He hasn't been trained properly. And because he hasn't been trained properly, he'll be faint of heart. He'll be weak and therefore will not survive the rigors of battle. And this idea, metaphorically speaking, is the idea of education of parents. As parents, we have the tremendous responsibility and obligation to train our children to understand what life is all about. On the one hand, to be protective, but not to be overly protective. We have to give them what they need. We have to recognize who they are. We have to enable them to bring out their own strengths, their own powers, their own abilities. We have to give them the opportunity of growing up. And the opportunity of growing up depends very heavily on how we train and educate our young people. And training young people is a life's mission. It doesn't stop. And it's not simple. And it's not generic where everybody is the same. Everybody is not the same. Everybody is very, very different. And here we come into the other mitzvot that we speak about in this parsha. The restriction of, well, plowing with two different types of animals or mixing wool and linen, etc., etc. What is that all about? And while, of course, those are mitzvot that we ultimately don't understand, there are certain dimensions that we can understand. There are certain dimensions which do relate to human reason and understanding. What those mitzvot are all about is to recognize the unique individuality of something and to give it its own place and space. We can't mix everything. We can't confuse everything. We have to have the ability of recognizing specifics, of recognizing uniqueness, of recognizing what wool is and what linen is, and why God would choose to tell us not to mix wool and linen with all the best explanations is something which really baffles the mind. But nonetheless, what God wants us to see is that wool has its own character, And linen has its own character. And by mixing the two, you create a negative situation, which can and will have a negative effect on you. So what's the difference if you plow with an ox and a mule? And all sorts of reasons as well to explain one is stronger, one is weaker. No, we really don't understand those things. But once we recognize the mitzvah, something becomes clear. God wants us to recognize this is this type of animal. You have to 
give that animal the dignity of recognition. This is a different type of animal. They're not all animals. Each one has a character and a name and a structure and a place in God's creation. Now, if this is true about, well, inanimate objects and animals in the world of vegetation, how much more so when it comes to people? This crazy idea of mixing everything is terribly confusing and destructive. We have to recognize the uniqueness of each and every single individual. We are all very similar, and we have all sorts of elements that make us look alike, but we're all very different. I have my qualities and I have my weaknesses. You have your qualities and your weaknesses, and so it goes with every single person. And this is what this Parsha is talking about. Which relationships are permissible? Which types of interactions are permissible? And which are destructive? This is the idea of going into battle and recognizing the true nature, the true definition of things, of situations, and people. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the idea of recognizing that which is essentially true and good and positive and that which is merely flimsy, superficial, something which looks attractive, something which is tempting, but an actual fact beneath the surface is absolutely worthless. And where does one get the strength, the wisdom, the understanding in order to recognize those dimensions, to see that which is true and to see that which is flimsy and very, very superficial? And I mentioned before, (coughs) excuse me. This is the whole idea of education and parenthood. We have to teach our children. We have to raise our children in a particular sort of way to understand what true values are. We have to be great examples. We have to show them what, in fact, we have to do is to teach people the importance of recognizing uniqueness. And this is something which is, well, lacking in this world. We look at the world at this great, great homogeneous place where everything is there and everything is wonderful. Everything is there but not everything is wonderful. And this is why Torah places, as we see in this week's parsha, tremendous importance upon not mixing things, because by mixing things, in a sense, you're insulting the essential character of those things that you're mixing. You don't allow it to be itself. And yes, while, of course, there has to be a tremendous amount of interaction and relationship with things, but nonetheless, there has to be a powerful and fundamental understanding and recognition of the uniqueness of each and everything. My mind is my mind, and my heart is my heart, and my hand is my hand, and my foot is my foot. And if I start calling my hand my foot, and my nose my toes, (laughs) it might sound good, it might sound wonderful, and very philosophical. It might appeal to simple people, but the fact is all you're doing is creating tremendous confusion in your own mind and in the minds of others. So how do we somehow have the courage, the wisdom in order to battle with the difficulties of life and to recognize the uniqueness of things and to work at bringing about a situation where you remove conflict and elevate things to a higher purpose by fulfilling the purpose, ultimate purpose of God's creation? And this is why we have to look at the end of this week's Parsha. 
And the end of this week's parsha is Zachor. Remember what Amalek, your arch enemy, tried to do with you on the way out of Egypt. Here you are, a people who endured hundreds of years of pain of slavery, and you're coming out as a free people marching towards Sinai to receive the Torah and to bring a new truth, a real truth to the world, to become that nation which God wants you to become, a nation of priests, a nation of, of holy people, a nation of showing the world what the world can truly be. And they came along to attack you because they wanted to stop this notion. They believed in power, they believed in greed, they believed in all the negative elements. They did not believe in the presence of godliness and holiness and goodness. And they attacked you. And it says, And which means simply, of course, they met you, they encountered, they engaged you along the way. But the word karcha also has a different translation. Karcha means kar, cold. They came along and tried to still your passion. And passion is something which is very important. We have to be passionate about important things. We have to be passionate about that which is good. We have to be passionate about that which is right. We can't simply sit back and say, well, this is good, this is bad. We have to show that our being, we have to emphasize, we have to underscore the incredible dimensions of that which is good. And people, by recognizing passion within themselves, it's infectious. It will bring out a positive passion in someone else as well. And don't for a moment think that Amalek didn't come against you. This arch enemy of ours didn't come against us with tremendous passion, came with tremendous passion to destroy us. And the passion of their destruction was to destroy the passion of our goodness, of our love, of our ability to be the messengers of God, the witnesses of God, the ones that bring about a holy place in this world, a recognition of the purpose of God's creation. And this is something I come back to the idea of education and parenthood. We have to somehow energize the passion within our children to recognize, to see things that are good, and when they do, to hold on to it with a passion, with a strength, with a fire, with an ability to say, this is mine, this is real, this is important, this is something that I will live for, something that I will carry, and something that I will give to my future generations as well. And we have to nurture that passion. We have to stimulate that fire, that burn that excitement because when you have a positive passion when you are truly dedicated to something in a sense what happens is your eyes become clear you begin to see things absolutely in perfect balance you begin to understand things differently your whole life takes on a different type of positive excitement it takes on a passion for that which is good and this is something that we have to understand. This is something that we have to develop more and more and more. Yes, there is a world out there, and there is a lot of passion in that world out there. But much of that passion, if most, not most of that passion, is not a healthy passion. In fact, it's quite a destructive passion. There isn't enough passion for good. There isn't enough passion for something that is positive. 
And ultimately, where did our passion come from? Our passion comes from our souls. Our passion comes from that dimension within ourselves that connects us with God. It's the passion of God that we are trying to bring into our own being. It's the passion of God that we are trying to display in the world as well. Yes, it's true. Passion can be a dangerous thing. If not focused correctly, unbridled passion in negative things brings about unbelievable destruction, personal destruction and universal destruction. We are talking about a passion that is based within a tremendous loyalty to Hashem, to His commandments. And this is why we talk about Simcha Shal Mitzvah, we talk about the joy of fulfilling a mitzvah. Yes, you can fulfill a mitzvah, and you know, like a neutral creature, you did it, you did it perfectly, but then there is the dimension of doing it with Simcha, doing it with joy, doing it with a sense of excitement. You know, you can do the right thing, but when you do the right thing with passion, it becomes so much more powerful and so much more effective, and it touches the hearts and minds of people. When people see the passion that others display, they are impressed to the point where they too want to have that type of passion. And this is why they have the two stories. At the beginning of the Parsha, we simply talk about going into battle against the enemy and how we should recognize that which is real and that which is superficial, that which has value and that which has no value whatsoever. The ability to recognize powerful dimensions within the greater dimensions of things. And at the same time, at the end of the Parsha, what do we talk about? Aha! The real enemy has shown his face. The one who wants to destroy the warmth, the positive, the passion that we possess. And as we go through the Parsha, each and every single mitzvah that we come across talks to us about that by recognizing the uniqueness of something. The uniqueness of something is quite passionate. I believe that when you recognize that which is true, there is a sensation of excitement within you, which is absolutely overwhelming. So this is why when you listen to the Parsha tomorrow, listen carefully. You know, some of it might seem a little bit strange. Some of it might seem a little bit, well, confusing. Understand it within the context of dealing with the battle of life. Understand it within the context of doing the right thing. Understand it within the context of recognizing that which is powerful. Understand it with the within the context of seeing something right, of doing something right, doing it with passion and with excitement. It's the month of Elul, and the king is in the field. It's the month that we are blessed with tremendous levels of God's compassion and mercy, the 13 principles of God's compassion and mercy, each and every single dimension of that compassion brings out a deeper and more powerful strength within us. Let us use this time correctly. Let us use the Shabbos correctly. Let us understand Kitetze. We go into the world. Yes, a difficult world at times. Yes, it's a battle. But we can win that battle. We can win the battle with pride and with dignity. The Chavez.